This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. فَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا وَمَا لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقٍ وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَقُولُ رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَةً وَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ أُولَئِكَ لَهُمْ نَصِيبٌ مِّمَّا at the end of about in the late 190s, early 200s of Surah Al-Baqarah, uh, there's a passage dedicated to Hajj. And in this passage, Allah Azza wa Jal describes that Hajj is actually a ritual that was already in place since the time of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And the people that came after Ibrahim alayhi salam, his children, many of them became misguided and therefore they changed some of those practices and confused them with you know, pagan practices. And they added rituals that weren't originally there, revealed by Allah, and it became a mixture of what was originally taught and a mixture of what was you know, later on deviations that were added to the faith. And the, one of the roles of the Prophet was to actually decontaminate the ritual, to bring it to its original form. Uh, the prayer of Ibrahim was, وَأَرِنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا وَتُبْ عَلَيْنَا Show us our actual rituals and accept our repentance. And one of the teachings to our Messenger is the actual rituals of Hajj. So the, the passage is dedicated to not only fixing the rituals of Hajj, but actually the spirit behind Hajj. And Hajj is really important in the role of our Messenger wasallam. In many ways you can appreciate it in that the entire mission of the Prophet was to restore the place of the Kaaba. And you, the, the, the ceremony that celebrates that the Kaaba has been restored to its original position is the ritual of Hajj. Which is why when the Prophet was given victory eventually, it is actually commenced by the, the, the ritual of Hajj itself. So now, the, Allah describes how the, the ritual itself got corrupted. And the way it got corrupted is there are people who go, even the ones who worship Allah, they go and they pray for the wrong thing. And what, what is it that they pray for? He says, Among them are those who say, Our master, give us in this life. Give me good things in life. Give, give me a job, get me married, get me, you know, take care of my children, remove my sickness, take care of my parents. These are all things that we're concerned with in this life. And there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with praying for things in this life. Yet in this ayah, it's so harsh. Allah Azza wa Jal says, there are among them who say, give us in this life, وَمَا لَهُمْ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقِ And this person is not going to have at all any of, even the smallest iota of goodness in the afterlife. They'll get nothing. All they get is in this life, they will get nothing in the afterlife. That's a pretty harsh statement to make for someone who's actually praying. They're actually praying to Allah and they asked Allah for some good things. Why is this being you know, responded to with such an extreme response? It seems at first glance, as an extreme response, that these people will have nothing to do with the afterlife. This is actually referring to not just a change in ritual, but a change in mindset. 
For a lot of people, let's not think about Islam for a moment, let's think about all religions. For a lot of people, religions in general, they're not about serving Allah. They're actually about getting what you want. They just become about getting what you want. I'm going to pray because I need a promotion. I'm going to pray because I need this problem solved. I turn to God because He's going to help me with this, 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 this issue in this life. Just in this life. As a matter of fact, you know, the, the um, intermediaries between Allah and people, like people set up idols between themselves and Allah, or some people elevated a prophet and made them the son of God and set themselves before themselves and Allah. Every time you have an intermediary, the point of it is, they, they go to these intermediaries for particular worldly problems. So the entire purpose of religion actually becomes to serve you in this world in some way. And as a matter of fact, when that spreads so much, the mindset becomes of later generations, as we find today, somebody will come and say, well, what am I going to get out of Islam? Like, okay, fine, you're telling me this religion has this, 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 and it's got these prayers and this and that, but I already have a job, I'm already doing pretty good, what do I need this for? How is this helping me? In other words, until it's self-serving to me in some immediate way, it has no relevance. And that actually became one of the diseases of religions that go away from the original teaching of Allah, that is to say that the purpose of deen is to serve me. The purpose of religion is to serve me. Yes, following Allah's teachings makes your life easier. It's true. It's a benefit. It's, you know, obeying Allah makes your life, removes burdens from you, gives you protection. It blesses your income. It provides you security, even provides you help. All kinds of benefits come to you when you obey Allah, when you follow the right religion. It's true. But that's not the goal. Those are actually, you can consider the perks, the benefits you know, and we now, be, what happens to people is those benefits became, become the goal. And that's very offensive to Allah. For people, for, for those benefits to become their entire goal in religion is actually offensive to Allah. And he, this, this ritual that we go to, this performance of Hajj, the point of it was to actually remember that your life is more than what you have here. You're going to go in clothes that you're going to be buried in. That's why we dress the way we do at Hajj. We go and stand in the land of Arafah as if we're simulating the, ju- the day of judgment when we're just going to be praying before Allah and hoping for Allah's mercy. The, the, entire, the entire ritual is actually an exercise of a reminder. It's a judgment day convention, you can, you can call it that. That's, that's what it is. Millions of people gathered together, dressed exactly the same way, with nothing to their name. The millionaire and the bankrupt look exactly the same. They're standing, in, like that's judgment day, isn't it? No ranks left, no status left, no VIPs left, no money left, nothing left. That's all you have. And for us to go there and only think about worldly things is a problem. And so Allah responds by saying, وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَقُولُ رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنًا He had one word. The previous prayer, the, the, the false prayer was, Give me in this life. Master, provide us in this life. The next prayer, the corrected prayer from Allah, what you should be praying instead he says, and among them is someone who says, listen to these words, Among them is someone who says, Our master give us in this life hasana, good and beautiful things. Just the addition of that one word, good and beautiful things. And you would argue, I thought that's understood. Obviously nobody's asking for an ugly car. People are asking for a nice car. People are asking for a nice house. So the good and beautiful is understood. But there's a more profound meaning of good and beautiful here. And by the way, the someone who asks is actually the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi And then he's asking not only for himself, that would be Rabbi, he's saying Rabbana, all of us, our Master. Which this is one of the most repeated prayers of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi This is also a prayer that we repeat every conclusion of every tawaf, umrah or hajj. 
At every tawaf, you repeat this prayer. And what are you saying? Give me good in this life, beautiful in this life. Now what exactly is good and beautiful? I take you back to something Allah said about shaitan. Allah said about shaitan, وَزَيَّنَ لَهُمُ الشَّيْطَانُ أَعْمَالَهُمْ Shaitan beautified their deeds to them. One of, one of the devil's jobs is to take ugly things and make them look good. And take good things and make them look ugly. Right? So good deeds look hard, difficult. The halal looks impossible. The, the impermissible looks alluring. It's attractive. كُلُّ مَمْنُوعْ مطلوب, the Arab says, the ancient Arab says, everything forbidden seems to be attractive. Right? So they, they, you, that's what he wants. That's what shaitan wants. So on the flip side, Allah says, no, Ya Allah, give us things that are actually beautiful. Not things that appear to be. Things that are through and through good and beautiful for us. The hasanat of this world. The good and beautiful of this world. And then he ties it to something else. He says, وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ hasanat," And in the next life, good and beautiful. So now you're asking for two lives. This one and the next one. And they're connected to each other. The only way you can get good in the next life is you actually get something in this life that will benefit your next life. So now what I desire in this life is actually dictated by is it, just, is it good for me just here? Or is it good for me here and there? This is what I'm praying for. Ya Allah, make my mind sense such, first of all, that I'm not deluded by false beauty. And second of all, when I do want something, that I'm all, only give me things that will benefit me here, and I do want benefit here. I do want a good living here. I do want good food here. I do want good clothing here. I do want all of the good things that Allah has made for me here. I want them. But I want of those, the things that will help me here and prepare me for this journey that I came to remind myself of at Hajj. رَبَّنَا أَتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً Both of those things go hand in hand. Notice the word hasana comes in describing the legacy of our Prophet لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةً Same word. That in, in, the, in the Messenger of Allah, you certainly find a beautiful parable, a beautiful example, a beautiful role model, a beautiful leader. Why is that mentioned? Because our Prophet didn't just concern himself with what matters in the next life. If he's entirely spiritual and all he cares about is what's going to happen after Judgment Day and we just, we're supposed to be miserable in this life, that's the other extreme, then you're not supposed to get married. Just pray. Fight your temptations. Your temptations are all evil. Your desires are all evil. This religion didn't come for that. Allah says He put those desires in us. He, put those, he, he wants us, as a matter of fact. The fact that you like a nice car, the fact that you like that, is Allah put that in you. وَالْخَيْلِ الْمُسَوَّمَةِ Branded horses like branded horsepower. Right? That's, that's what it is. And even to this day, the most expensive cars are the ones with horses on them, the Ferraris. The, you know. And when somebody's really into cars, they go up to someone and don't say, hey, how many chickens you got under the hood? No, they don't say that. They say, how many horses you got under the hood? Allah said, branded, literally branded horses. It's something He made us obsessed with. We like it. But He put it there for a reason. Because all of what is beautiful in this world is actually a preview of what he has waiting in the next. So, you know, if, if Allah didn't show us beautiful trees, gardens, mountains, if he didn't show us a beautiful spouse, if he didn't show us these things, and then he told us about heaven and Jannah, and you're going to get gardens and trees and a beautiful spouse and fruit, and you never enjoyed any fruit in this life, you're like, no thanks, I'm good. What's your motivation? So this world is actually supposed to motivate you if this is so beautiful here, what has he got waiting in the next life? And so this becomes a preview for the next life. Don't think of this as a goal. Think of this as a prep 
for the next life. It should, it's supposed to motivate you to get the best of this in order to get the best of that so this never becomes your goal. The worldly life doesn't ever become your goal. That's what's reminded to us in Rabbana Atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana. Think of it this way. The ritual of Hajj. I told you we go in clothes that we're supposed to be buried in. We look like pretty much that we're standing in judgment day. This is supposed to be the most spiritual experience where you forget everything about worldly life. You leave your, your, your desires, your temptations, your greed, everything behind. And guess what he does? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does he do? He tells us when you go there, when you go to Hajj, and back, back in the day, people didn't take a flight to Hajj, right? They walked. They took a camel. They took a ship. They said farewell to their families as if there's a high likelihood they'll die on the journey. That's what they did. And what does he say? لَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ جُنَاحُنًا تَبْتَغُوا فَضْلًا مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ There's no harm on you if you pursue some good when you go there for yourselves. In other words, if you want to go do some business there too, it's okay. Take some goods with you and sell them there. Make some contacts. Do some networking. It's okay. In other words, you're going there for the good of your deen, for the akhirah, for the afterlife, but you're also there, if you have the opportunity, to build something also for this life. To do that too. There's no harm in it. There's no harm in it. It's incredible that Allah took the most spiritual of journeys and He added this dimension to it. Look at what He did in Ramadan. Ramadan is supposed to be a, a ritual in which we forget everything about worldly life. We're supposed to, of course, we're not like that. But anyway, <laughs> but we're supposed to be highly spiritual, denying the needs of our body and all of that, right? And in the middle of it all, Allah says, He actually encourages that men be, be more intimate with their spouses in the night of the fast. In the, in the ayat of fasting. Why? Why? Because it's dunya, fil dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana. And when, when a relationship between a husband and a wife is reinforced, that actually benefits their dunya and it benefits their akhirah. It benefits both. Allah understands that. Allah, Allah tells us that, helps us understand that rather. And so He says, and thus, waqina adab al protect us from the punishment of the fire. This religion is one that beautifies this life along with the next life. And those always go hand in hand. Every decision you make, every major decision you make, you and I have to ask ourselves, inspired by this du'a. We, we, we ask it all the time. And by the way, what we ask, how we think about this du'a, because I, I was, I'm very Pakistani, I was raised very Pakistani. So the way we, we think about this du'a is, Ya Allah, give me like the best stuff here, and then throw me in Jannah too. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana, wa fil akhirati hasana. Great deal. But we don't actually connect those two. We don't connect, I'm saying that those two things are what? They're connected, and that's the only way the last part of this du'a will make sense. Waqina adab nar Because if we were materialistic and didn't care about what we got, so long as we're enjoying ourselves and didn't consider the next life, then we're not protecting ourselves from the punishment of the fire. May Allah Azza wa Jal give us the best of this life. That is a means of getting the best in the next life and protect us from the punishment of the fire. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana. Waqina adab nar Barakallahu li wa lakum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.